This is Abalone Mountain Press Podcast. I am Amber McCrary, host of Abalone Mountain Press Podcast. Our podcast focuses on Indigenous writers and their writing journeys. Our guest today is Danae writer Manny Lowley. He is a current PhD candidate in English and Literary Arts at the University of Denver. Lowley is director of the Emerging Diné Writers Institute. His work has homes in Red Ink, the Santa Fe Literary Review, and is forthcoming in the Yellow Medicine Review, the Massachusetts Review, and the Diné Reader, an anthology of Navajo literature. Stay tuned after the interview to hear Manny's writing prompt giveaway. And here is the interview I had with Manny. Hey. (laughs) Today we are doing a podcast interview with Manny Lowly. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you said it right. Okay. Should we start out the day or the podcast with you telling me a story? Sure. Okay. Hmm. Let's see. Yesterday... Me and my mom, we watched uh, the movie for Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know if you... I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah, so so it's a memoir uh, by this guy that's from the Appalachian Mountains. And then he goes off to law school. And it basically tells the tale of his family life. And he grew up like in a dysfunctional home with family that's from the Appalachian Mountains. And they his, some of his family moved to bigger cities for like steel work and mining and stuff like that during the great migration. And so it's basically about his like up and up kind of story, like a, like a character development story. And I've been thinking about that because the, the story mirrored like my own story. And I'm sure like a lot of Navajo people's story about growing up in a family that is victim of like alcohol and substance abuse, domestic violence, things like that. But then somehow through all those like trials and tribulations, like our families make it however you want to like define that. Like they, they send their kids off to school, off to college. And then eventually somewhere down the line, there's like a bright spot in all of that, that darker stuff. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about that and I've been thinking about, writing more stuff that talks about the harsher parts of Navajo life. Because I feel like r- earlier writers like Lucy Tapahanso or, or other writers that we're very enamored with, like that we look up to, they did such a good job of showcasing the positive aspects of Navajo life, like like the family, the community, the food, the love of laughter, friendship, and all of that wonderful stuff. But then there's also the harder parts of it, like our journey to Huerte and dealing with the introduction of alcohol into the res and things like that. So I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, It seems like a lot of the time when my mom and I are driving, like especially when we're driving through like our community, we'll see someone or there'll be someone's house that we drive by and my mom will like just launch into a story and some of them are very heartbreaking and some of them are very like sad uh just the other day we are driving by 
um, this homestead that has like maybe 20 or 25 families that all live in this one, one spot. So there's a bunch of houses there. And behind that group of houses, there's this like mesa. And there's like this little crevice in the mesa where um, this guy used to live. He, he was a veteran. He came back. He worked on the railroad. And he married this, this woman. And he bought her this really huge house. And they had like horse trailers and things like that. Just like a regular like Navajo, Navajo homestead. And something happened he ended up moving out of the house and he built this little like one room shack in that crevice in the mesa and so one evening the family noticed that there was smoke coming from that shack and so they called the fire truck and the police and there was this huge commotion over there and it turned out that guy because it was getting colder he had plugged in a a heater Mm. into the shack because he had Mm. electricity there and something happened to the heater and the shack caught on fire and he burned alive. And there's just a bunch of stories like that where tragedy happens, but then the family comes together and they, they pull through it. And I don't know, I've just been thinking about that, thinking about the, the harsher side of our storytelling. Thank you for sharing that. That's a good um, subject that you kind of mentioned. Like, sometimes I think like, like, would it be considered under, like, the the realm of, like, um, like, Diné or indigenous tragedy versus, like, indigenous realism? Or would you say they both fall under kind of, like, the same, um, I don't know if it's narrative or, like, same kind of, like, uh, storytelling? I think... All storytelling falls under just the category of storytelling, at least in Navajo cosmology. But then there's a reason that writers like Lucy Tapahanso didn't write about things like that. Mm -hmm. Because there's like a saying in in Navajo communities like, like you don't don't talk about that, you don't say that. Um, And I think to some extent, like that, that's something that we need to keep in mind. But on the other hand, like, a part of the healing process is to talk about hurt mm-hmm. and to talk about pain and to come to terms with that. Even in ceremony, there's a part of the ceremony when you tell the Hatkatli what you're going through and you, you reiterate your painful experiences and your trauma so that it can be a part of the healing. And I think that's that's why we need we need those kind of stories. Yeah, I think that's you're right. Um I feel like that's something that doesn't really fall under the canon, <laughs> you know, because we're, we're kind of used to, like, the, you're supposed to write like this, like, A, B, and C, and then you're supposed to get this result, and then that's the novel, or that's the, you know, that's the poem, so I feel like, I think that's why, uh, storytelling the way you say it like storytelling is like um it doesn't really fall under the canon or you know a lot of like academic words it's just like storytelling and it's like purest form and like human connection I I think one of the things that 
writers fall privy to, in, including myself, is this need to stick to like a Euro-centered form of storytelling. Like it's it's a linear model. Like A happened, so then that caused B to happen, and then C was the resolution. But stories don't often work like that. Like when we're sitting down to write a story, or we're even talking to somebody, we'll start the telling, and then a memory will intercede. So then we'll have to go into the memory, but then the memory is preceded by a historical moment that informs the memory, and then we go back into the narrative that we began with. So it's kind of like these loops that are constantly intersecting, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not a linear linear model. So you said you grew up in Casimiro Lake. Could you tell me a little bit of what that was like? So the Dene name for Casimiro Lake is Tsetkhatog Ole, which is like water that flows through the rocks. And growing up there, it was it was it was an amazing experience. Like I I loved my childhood, um, but definitely one of the some of the biggest things I remember are like family gatherings like we would always gather at my grandma's house um and that's that's the house that my grandpa had built for her um when they first got married and she had this table it was an old wooden table and that table reminds me of uh this poem that joy harjo wrote about how the beginning and the end of the world were going to be at that at, at a table she mm-hmm. describes this this kind of table and I, I definitely agree with that because all of our family gatherings were at that table like our names are etched into the table mm-hmm. uh, birthdays are etched into the table and my grandparents moved into a new house because the, uh, the older house was was getting old and so we had to leave the table in there but um yeah, that's the biggest thing that I remember about my childhood was the family gatherings. But the other thing I remember too is this like feeling of isolation. Mm. Like my family was always around and we would always get together, but at the same time the aspirations that I had made me feel like I was never going to get there. Mm. Cuz we lived in a in a mobile home that didn't have any electricity or any running water. And so we had to run a line from my grandparents' home to our mobile home to get to get electricity, but we still didn't have running water. And so I had these big dreams of like, I want to be a university professor, I want to have a nice house, and all these kinds of things. But living in that mobile home, it, it, it all seemed so far away. And so that that's definitely a part of that as well. Um, but yeah, I love my community. Like, everybody knows everybody. Um people are really close they help each other what inspired you to first write I think one of the things that inspired me to write was a lack of representation of like a Navajo gay identity so when I was growing up I read a lot of like Harry Potter, um, I even read the Twilight series, um, and a bunch of different other books that were about, like, different worlds that were so foreign to my own. And in every story that I read, I was constantly searching for someone that identified the way that I did, as a gay Navajo male, right? And I was often disappointed. Um, Even now I'm disappointed. Like, there aren't too many Navajo people that are writing novels, we have a lot of Navajo poets, 
And I think that's a testament to the beauty of the Navajo language and the Navajo worldview. It's a very poetic language and a very poetic worldview. So it just comes naturally that we would be inclined towards poetry because I write poetry too. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes it just comes on its own. And so when I first began writing uh, fiction and short stories, I wanted to delve into my own experience growing up gay on the reservation. And that that was a challenge, but it, it, it also was a privilege for me because my family was one of the, f- the few families that was 100% accepting. Like my grandparents, they know and they accept me and, and they're always there for me. My mom and my my brothers are like that too and my aunts. And so, yeah. So so I write because I want to represent the stories that I wanted to read as a kid. Mm, yeah, that's how I feel too. Um, yeah, you mentioned that you write fiction. So like I'm a poet. And as a poet, like, you know, we were used to writing like the one page poem or the, you know, or if, if it's a longer poem, maybe it'd be up to six pages. So I kind of wonder how it would be in um, what it's like to have the process of writing a book. Are you the type of author that like chips away at it, like one or two page at a time? Or are you the type that like writes, you know, a lot of pages in a short amount of time. One of my mentors um, in my MFA program, Pam Houston, she used to say that to be a good fiction writer, you have to begin with poetry. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And for me, what that connects to is songs and ceremony. So for Navajos, for Diné, some of our original poets were medicine people. They spoke the language of poetry before Euro-Americans brought their own version of poetry to this land. And that poetics was very different because it was informed by Nikemanna Hassan, by, by the natural world, by our mother, Earth Woman. And I think about this because oftentimes when I write a a fictional piece or or any kind of prose writing, it sounds like poetry. Like when I read it, it sounds like poetry, at least to me. And I think that's a part of my process is is I read a lot of poetry and then the moves that, that these writers use in their poetics lend itself to my fiction. And I don't plan my my stories out like I don't sit down and say okay this is the kind of story I'm gonna write it usually begins with like a memory or or some sort of like bright spot this bright thing that I that I take from my lived experience so for example um the other day I was thinking about uh, my grandparents and how my grandparents used to have this uh cornfield when my mom was younger and I never got to experience that cornfield. I, I only experienced the cornfield through my mom's retelling of the cornfield. But in my mind's eye, I could, I could visualize it. And so I spent some time with that image and I was writing a, a story that turned into like a climate fiction piece about how right now on the Navajo Nation we're experiencing extreme drought due to climate change. And a lot of the homes in the more rural parts of the reservation 
are experiencing uh, desertification and there, there are sand dunes that are forming and these sand dunes, when picked up by the wind, they move and some homes on the reservation are being buried under mm-hmm. sand hmm. and this is pl- these are places where these people have lived for like generations and they'll, they'll have to move because of these moving sand dunes. And so it, it began from that one piece of storytelling that my mom told to this bigger piece about climate change. And so that's the kind of the writing I do is like, it, it, it builds upon itself. It, it's not planned. It just unfurls. Wow. That is beautiful. Um, speaking of beautiful, we are surrounded by beauty right now. Uh, I forgot to mention that we are doing this interview currently on Akamal Atham land um, and uh, what is also known as the Desert Botanical Gardens. And we're just, you know, spending the day enjoying the beauty that the Sonoran Desert, you know, has created, which is all of this beautiful cacti and quails and roadrunners so you might hear some birds in the background (laughs) while we're doing this interview but that's that's I don't know I kind of want to do all my interviews like this um oh there's a bird that just jumped onto some patio furniture yeah this is definitely this is my first time to the botanical gardens and it's really funny because I drive by this uh is it camelback this mountain, these little mountain things um, right here. I think I drive by no. these little mountain. I forget, what, I forget what these mountains are called. There's I drive Papago Park right here. I drive by yeah. this area like whenever I visit Phoenix, and I've never been to the botanical gardens. But um, we saw a bunch of quail. There's like quail that are running back and forth along the trail, and there's a bunch of birds here. And I feel like they're just listening to our conversation, and they might be saying like, "Oh." Oh, and ne, like he's just saying that or he's lying. <laughs> so they're fact checking us. <laughs> That's funny. You are also the director of Emerging Diné Writers Institute, which is a summer writing program through Navajo Tech University. What are your favorite moments from the three summers Edwi has been blossoming? So every summer we have a, a reading series called the Eastern Diné Reading Series. And usually during the initial days of the program, that's when we invite our visiting faculty, our core faculty, um, into the Hogan at Navajo Technical University to, to give a reading of their work, to share, to share their work and stories with the students. And it's always such an amazing experience. But I think... The most amazing part of that reading series is when the writing fellows, the students that we the, that we fund to attend the program, uh, when they read on the last night of the reading series. And it's always such a really phenomenal experience because we get to see what the students have been working on throughout the week, or they may choose to bring in material that they were working on prior to attending the program. And it's it's such a moving experience because one of the main goals of the program is to grow the next generation of Diné storytellers. And we really see that during that last night of the reading. And I don't know, this past reading, I I got emotional because we were, where we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And I think stories are so relevant, especially now to keep us connected 
to each other in in online space so that was that was especially moving um i think the other part that is especially salient for me is connecting with so many great writers and thinkers and and community advocates and i'm definitely thankful to have met you amber and to also have met julie sierra um and natanya you were all the core faculty uh this past summer and in I've gained so many friends, so many mentors through the program, and I'm sure the students have as well, the faculty have as well. Um, so that feeling of eh or interconnected familiar relationships, I think that's the backbone of Edwi. Yeah, definitely, that connection. While you were saying that, I was like, how did we meet? <laughs> but now I remember, we met through the desert desert nights rising stars writing conference through asu and i always remember i was like tabling um with the herd museum because they asked me to be like a i think a special guest for that week for through herd and you came up to the table and we started talking and i think you bought a zine and then i met you again in portland um i think that was the second time after uh byron Aspas's, did I say that right? Byron Aspas's um, panel that he did through AWP. And I just remember being like, hi, how are you? And he had like this really nice like winter coat on and this big turquoise rig. And I was like, oh my gosh, Manny is so cool <laughs> and so nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like to dress up, but I'm really friendly, I promise. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever see Manny, like, out and about with his, like, awesome fashion, and, like, he always has the most beautiful, like, Danae rings on, you can say hi to him. Okay, so my last question is, besides writing, what are some other passions you have? So earlier I mentioned um, my grandparents used to have a cornfield, before I was born. And so my immediate family, like my mom and my brothers, we, we didn't have a garden or a cornfield growing up. And so since we've had to live through this global pandemic, that's one of the things that's resurfacing for my family. My older brother and I, we uh, planted a garden um, and some corn for my mom for Mother's Day, this past Mother's Day. And so we've been, like, watering the plants and, like, dealing with the soil and stuff. And it's, it's a, been a very, very rewarding and emotional experience because planting corn and harvesting corn, like, all the parts of the corn is, is, is a Danelle life way. And so although this pandemic has brought about such terrible, like, devastation to our communities through the loss of so many of our relatives, it has also played a role in reconnecting us to some of our dinner life ways, like gardening and, and planting corn. And so, yeah, it's just been amazing. Like we had squash, we had tomatoes, we had a watermelon, and we were able to um, gather these things from our garden and then prepare them in our house. And that was such a cool experience, and it, it's it's especially more meaningful because my nephew was able to partake in that experience as well. So we're we're providing him something that we didn't experience growing up, and I think that that will 
bring back this tradition of farming in in our family hopefully um so that's one of my projects i've also been uh photographing more like i have an obsession with birds like i love birds especially the birds that are where where i live like we have some bluebirds we have some hawks we have some other types of birds that i'm not sure what they're called but uh so I, I recently bought a camera, so I'm planning on taking more bird photos. So, yeah. Cool. What's your favorite bird? I think the obvious answer is going to be a bluebird. And really, that's because they're, like, most common in my area. Like, we see them a lot, like, especially in the morning. But it's also, like, the spiritual side of bluebirds. Mm. So if you see any kind of... Um, imagery of talking god he's one of the like original um 12 holy beings in Dene cosmology if you see any depictions of him he's usually um surrounded by bluebirds mm. and so there's this uh song uh dolly begin blue bluebird song that talks about bluebird ascending each one of the sacred mountains in all four of the directions and so as the bluebird is ascending the mountain, um, he's thinking about healing and he's thinking about positive, positive things. And when he gets to the top of the mountain, he comes face to face with these holy people. And one of them is talking God. And so the, the point of the song is about healing, is about coming to terms with yourself, coming to terms with your life way. And that's, that's a big, big part of my life way right now is, is healing. Hmm. That's something I'm definitely going to think about a lot after I see you or after we part today is the healing process and especially healing through like writing. Um, I would consider it like very therapeutic and I think that's why I originally started writing. It wasn't, it, I didn't write to ever think I would get published or to think that other people look at it. Um, it's, it's funny how writing can take you in so many different directions and um what do you consider writing part of a healing process yes I think I think writing is an in integral part of the healing process I think spending time with your memories spending time with feelings that you may not know why you're feeling those things but you you feel them in the body I think that's that's a big part of the healing process and I think for many people, that kind of healing came about in, in ceremony. Mm -hmm. Like you're sitting there and you're praying for yourself and you have these memories of hurt or sadness and you just let it out and you cry and, and you pray. I think that same kind of feeling and process is found in writing. Like I know there are times when I'm sitting at my desk and I'll write something that I didn't know was on my mind or that I needed to get off my chest but when it comes out on the page it, it feels like I'm lighter in some kind of way and then when I read that piece in front of an audience sometimes I'll cry and I, I sometimes I preface my stories by saying oh this might make me cry and sometimes I don't and I think that's that's a part of the healing process too is like revisiting these moments or revisiting these feelings over and over again until you can kind of claim some ownership over them and, and be comfortable with them. 
So yeah, I, I definitely think writing is a part of the healing process. Yeah, thank you for that. So I'm thinking as part of this podcast uh, journey that I'm going to be creating or going through with other writers, I actually wanted to ask um, each writer that I interview, like if you could give a writing exercise to like the audience and with each writing exercise or like writing prompt, um, I am asking the audience or listeners to turn in like what they write from the writing prompt and then whoever is chosen um as part of you know the the winner they will like receive a prize so this is something that I want to do that's more interactive with me the writer and like the listeners and so I don't know if you have a writing prompt that you can think of right now if you don't you can always send it to me and I can um I can add it in. I'll have to get back to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that is Manny Lolly. And thank you so much for answering some of my questions and coming to the Desert Botanical Garden with me and just like looking at some saguaro and looking at birds. And yeah, so... Thank you. Ahyehat Nijone. Thank you, Amber. Nidal Ahyehat Nidadeshni. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for coming to the garden with me. I've never been here, so hopefully we can walk around some more and see more cactus. Yes. <laughs> A big thank you to our guest, Manny Lowley, for doing an interview with me at the Desert Botanical Garden. Um, so you can find his works at the Santa Fe Literary Review, Yellow Medicine Review, Massachusetts Review, and the Diné Reader, an anthology of Navajo literature. And Manny sent me his writing prompt for this episode, which is on the theme of love. Um, so it can be in any form, such as a poem, story, essay, or even a song. Um, so the prompt is, write about love in your language. What does love look like to you? For submission info, go to www.abalonemountainpress.com. It should be on our homepage on directions on how to submit. And we also have a tab that says AMP podcast where you can see what the writing prompt is. And you can also... Um, find the submit button or you can email us which will be at the bottom of the page under contact and our email address is books at abalonemountainpress.com and the items we have for our writing prompt giveaway um, are a pair of earrings by Atsan Ba Creations they are also known as Baz Hill Hajo on Instagram I hope I said that right <laughs> and we'll have uh, let's see. Oh, some stickers from Caitlin. And she is also known as KHavenArt1 on Instagram. And she is the one that does like the the Ghibli and Avatar um, drawings and stickers. But she makes them uh, 
indigenous and Danae inspired, which is really cool. So we have some great stickers from her that will be part of the giveaway. Uh, we have a notebook, a writing notebook, and then we have a pair of socks um, from Read Your Socks Off. And these socks um, have a cat on it with glasses, and it says, I'm reading right meow. So if your cat's nerdy or you're nerdy, uh, book nerd, these socks are great. And let's see. Um, oh, we'll be giving out a bag of coffee from Yego Coffee, and they are located in Flagstaff, Arizona, also known as Kinthlani. We also got a really neat collage candle from Mary Hope Lee, and it's so beautiful. She does um, collage art, and she's also a local writer here in the Phoenix area. And lastly, we have the newest issue of Yellow Medicine Review, a journal of indigenous literature, art, and thought. And this is guest edited, edited by C. Marie Furman. See, Marie, I hope you're, I'm saying your last name right, and she guest edited um, this collection, and the theme is women's wisdom, women's strength, and Manny actually has two pieces in this, which is really great, and so do I. Uh, I have two poems, uh, but yeah, so that's our giveaway items, and we hope to see your submissions, and I look forward to it, and I hope you have a good day a good week keep writing keep healing theme music is summer cactus by colorful king also known as erica lee and matthew kogit wong you can find their music at www.soundcloud.com slash colorful king